Oh, anyways, welcome. I, we're there. This is it. We're starting. We're here. This is it. We've been started. Wow. This is week 21. We're going through, uh, well, welcome to our podcast show. Tim and Lenny, Lenny and Tim, Tim and Lenny. Show. He's also, I was listening to another podcast, which I really like, and I quoted it, Smartless. I forgot the name of it last time or two times oh, ago. Okay. Um, and it's Will Arnett and um, Jason Bateman. Mm-hmm. And okay. That's right. And yep. their introduction is always different. Good. Welcome to, and I was like, oh my gosh, they stole it. They didn't steal it. Yeah, they did. They've been listening. Both, long time listeners. They're all three very funny, creative yeah. guys. Long time listeners and of our show. Bagging yeah. on each other about like <laughs> how bad the opening is. It's just like the last one with Will Arnett and Jason Bateman was so funny. And sometimes just you just like, gotta own it. Yeah. Anyways, bad at transitions. So it was really good. Um, well, week 21, we're on chapter 21. We're actually going through a book called. The Screwtape Letters, written by C.S. Lewis back in the 1940s. And the topic of this book is very interesting. It, or the thesis of this book is different stories, short stories, basically, of this demon Screwtape writing to yeah. his underling Wormwood demon. Uh, the pros and cons, the advice, the kind of the perspective and coaching on how he can trip up his patient, i.e. human, that they they loathe and hate and want to do everything they can to destroy their lives. And so there are commentary back and forth is just reading it and just going, what is like, if this was true, what and why and how, and we can actually see it in some way, how it could be true in the world, specifically last week in dealing with sex and identity and how beauty versus nature versus nurture and what culture says is and they they mm-hmm. you know it was very interesting conversation last week and so we're going to continue in chapter 21 you read last week so i'll read this yeah week. please take it all right um and i know you re- read ahead and i i scanned ahead this week though i didn't read as much okay so. this one's good i like this one i all think right. this one's gonna i think this one's kind of shorter if I, I remember reading this one and then getting to the end either it was just that easy of a read where i was like oh just blew through that chapter or it was actually short. Now I'm clicking through. I'm like, oh, it's kind of a lot of pages. Wow. (laughs) All right. Here we go. All right. Chapter 21. My dear Wormwood. And I find it funny how it, it, they, he consistently, a demon can start off the same every single letter, but we can't. My dear Tim. (laughs) (laughs) We could try it next week. It's like, do you ever, you probably never watched it, but is that, uh, uh, murder she wrote? No. Didn't she always like start off the show with like a little letter writing? I never watched it. You can't ask me that. (laughs) My grandma used to watch it. I remember this like, what what was her name? The gold. My grandma was all Telemundo. That's all. That's all we got. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, you were just half Mexican. Telemundo. It's like, I don't know what the heck's going on in this novella. Oh, my dear Wormwood. Yes, a period of sexual temptation is an excellent time for working in a subordinate attack on the patient's peevishness. It may even be the main attack as long as he thinks it is the subordinate one. But here, as in everything else, the way must be prepared for your moral assault by darkening his intellect. Men are not angered by mere misfortune, but my misfortune conceived as injury. And the sense of injury depends on the feeling that a legitimate claim has been denied. The more claims on life, therefore, that your patient can be introduced to make, the more often he will feel injured and, as a result, ill-tempered. Now you will have noticed that nothing throws him into a passion so easily as to find a tract of time which he reckoned on having at his own disposal unexpectedly taken from him. It is the unexpected visitor, 
when he looked forward to a quiet evening, or the friend's talkative wife turning up when he looked forward to a ta-ta-day with a friend. I don't think I said that right. A ta-ta-te. I don't even know what that is. All right, with a friend. It's a French. It's a... I looked it up. It's like a face-to-face. Oh, with a forward face-to-face with a friend. That throw him out of gear. Now he is not so yet... Now he is... Not yet so uncharitable or slothful that these small demands on his courtesy are in themselves too much for it. They anger him because he regards his time as his own and feels that it is being stolen. So there was this comedian and his joke was every time somebody writes a check in line at the grocery store, they're Mm -hmm. stealing my time. (laughs) And then he like went on this whole diatribe about how he feels like what they're doing right there, what they're doing is they're like taking a knife and just stabbing him, just taking minutes off his life. Just (laughs) And and that in a sense is a commentary and a joke on what they're saying here is that, that I I don't know why it started with sexual temptation, but basically what it's boiling down to. I think he's following last week. I think he's tying it to last week's, like to the last letter he wrote. He's like, yeah, that's kind of what you're working on right now. Mm-hmm. But also, okay. there's it's a good time to work in a couple of these other things. Got it. So really, I mean, it starts with this first line, but then it goes, like I told you yeah. last week, it goes totally left from there. Um, Paul Tripp, we did a, uh, he's a pastor and... That mustache. The mustache, dude. He's the like stash, a hipster. Dude, he's, totally. he's like a... He, he had the stash before stashes yeah. were cool. He's an old man yeah. hipster. Yeah, totally. But, Those big glasses. Um, <laughs> we did a, like a married, like a, a married couples, like a Bible study okay. a couple years ago. And we went through his, he had like a, a series that he did of teachings and, and that kind of stuff. Um and one of the things that he talked about was this idea of like my kingdom mm. and like we we have built our own kingdoms mm-hmm. and then when anyone does anything that threatens my kingdom mm-hmm. whether that's my time mm-hmm. or that's because my I money. like I like my toothbrush there and yes. you moved it <laughs> and you have now disrupted my kingdom how could you do that to me yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and so as <laughs> as he was talking about that specifically in relationship to like uh you know in a marriage relationship and mm-hmm. how if we have our own kingdoms and then we're just at odds with each other. Um, but we surrender our kingdoms and we live for God's kingdom and living with a kingdom with God's kingdom mindset says you move my toothbrush and it's fine. You know, like, like some of those things, but it very much reminded me in the early portion of this, of this chapter um, talking about like, Men are not angered by mere misfortune, but by misfortune conceived as injury. Hmm. Like this idea that um, an injustice has been an injustice given. has been done to me. Yeah, it's not they just. I'm it. not just angry that something bad happened. Yeah, I'm I'm angry that something bad happened to me and I didn't deserve it. Kind of like so. For example, I come home, let's say, and my kids decide not to put their backpacks and hang them up, and I find their shoes scattered all over the house. And instead of just going, they're young kids, I'm like, you have not done what I've asked you to do. And now I'm asking you again, and I might trip over something that I didn't trip because clearly I saw it. And for some reason, I'm clearly frustrated because you are wrecking my kingdom. Yeah. Okay. How could you do this to me? I had a long day of work and the last thing I needed to do was come in and and see your shoes everywhere. Justifying that anger, that lack of control and the anger that's produced because of that, because I set up the systems, you should know better, mm-hmm. and maybe you might be even doing this on purpose 
situation, which we happens st- we even in marriages and relationships. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So that's what they're basically getting at here. And that's the converse what's happening. Yeah. Okay. And, and it's yeah. subtle. So Super subtle. And for this patient, it's his time. Yeah. Okay. When, when time that he reckons is his own is disrupted. So whether that's he thinks he's going to have a nice quiet evening and someone shows up at the door. Yeah. Or he goes to hang out with a friend and the, and the wife shows, shows up, up. Yep, and, and <laughs> takes over the conversation. Those throw him out of gear. Totally. Those yeah. throw him off. Yeah. All right. Well, I'm going to continue reading here. So mm-hmm. now he is not yet so uncharitable or slothful that these small demands on his courtesy are in themselves too much for it. So, I mean, he can kind of control himself a little bit. Of, yeah. They anger him, here it is, because he regards his time as his own and feels that it is being stolen. That's the injustice. Mm-hmm. You must therefore, so now he switches to now how Wormwood, Wormwood should, should, okay, mm-hmm. kind of insert and manipulate and do what he's going to do. Okay, so you must therefore zealously guard in his mind the curious assumption, my time is my own, quote. So that's like what you're saying, like my kingdom come. Mm-hmm. My kingdom stay, not God's kingdom, right? This is my... Yeah, yeah this okay. was my time. Uh, yeah. yeah. He goes on, let him have the feeling that he starts each day as the lawful professor of 24 hours. <laughs> I love the way C.S. Lewis worded that, right? The lawful let possessor the of 24 hours. that he hours. starts each day as the lawful pers- uh, pr- possessor of 24 hours, meaning like he's in control of Those all 24 hours. Those are his 24 hours, hours. Right? Yeah. yep, every day. Oh, that's so funny. Let him feel as a grievous tax that portion of his proper of this property which he has to make over to his employers, and as a generous donation that further portion which he allows to religious duty. So what he's saying is like, let him think that he's the one who gives away the portions to his boss or to church and those types of things. Yes, okay. and it's a bother to you and know, it's almost like, like it's, a checkbook. It's draining right? his yeah, checkbook. Yeah, okay. yeah, but what he must never be permitted to doubt is that the total form which these deductions have been made was in some mysterious sense, his own personal birthright. (laughs) I think that there's a cultural kind of perception of this. Yeah. That like you only have so much time. It's yours. Make the best of it. Which is a, there's a paradox in what he's talking about. It's not a bad way to live, but it, I mean, if you hang on to those things so tightly, you are just going to be bitter and resentful. And you won't know why. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that, and if it's sense, then you become a slave to time and you're not actually ruling the time. Yeah. So when you allow your feelings, because it's quote unquote stolen, that those times actually is controlling you instead of you actually controlling the time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so, well, let's keep going. So here you have, so speaking again to Wormwood, you have a, here a delicate task. The assumption which you would want him to go on making is so absurd that if once it is questioned, even we cannot find a shred of argument in its defense. The man can neither make nor retain one moment of time. It all comes to him by pure gift. He might as well regard the sun and moon as a what is this word? Chattels? 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 I'm going to look it up here real quick. Uh, a, a personal possession, a property other than real estate, all goods in chattels. He may as well just... Chattel. He may as well just claim the sun and the moon as his. As, as his own. As his own. <laughs> okay. He is also, in theory, committed to a total service of the enemy. And if the enemy appeared to him in bodily form and demanded that the total service for even one day, he would not refuse. He would be greatly relieved if that one day involved nothing harder than listening to the conversation of a foolish woman, and he would be revealed almost a pitch 
to the pitch of disappointment if for one half hour in that day the enemy said, now you may go and amuse yourself. Interesting. Now, if he thinks about his assumption for a moment, he even he is bound to realize that he is actually in the situation every day. Oh, so this idea that like you're not your own, yeah, and yeah. the time of itself. We're is in a the gift. service, like Christian. Like if you are a Christian, you are in the service of God, right? And and then every- this is a, this was a hard chapter for me because I guard my time. Yeah, I'm very protective of my time. Um, and I think part of that's because initially I wasn't, and I just burnt myself out on everything mm-hmm. and just spread myself so thin trying to do everything. Um, and the converse of that is that I've gotten so good about guarding my time that I say no to things that I probably should have said yes to. Mm-hmm. You know, I've said, I say, and then if I end up having to do things that that encroach upon my time that have, that I've set aside... I do it begrudgingly most of the time, mm-hmm. you know? So this for me kind of st- strikes strikes a nerve uh, because I'm very protective of my time. And look at me sitting here calling it my time, like I have any mm-hmm. ownership of it actually, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so I just, I think it's interesting that like, what if, what if we weren't so busy doing what we thought we needed to do that we could that we actually looked for opportunities. That's what I'm seeing here. Yeah. Well, it's funny is that this week I was reading through the gospels and, and the one where Jesus talks about how it is more blessed to give than to receive. Mm -hmm. I stopped for a minute and I was like, I don't believe that. Mm. If I can be completely honest about that statement that Jesus has, it's not that I don't believe scriptures to be true and believe what Jesus is saying is true. Mm -hmm. I'm talking about my life. Like I, Personalized it, right? So I say, okay, if somebody wanted to give me fifty thousand dollars, if you're listening and you want to give me fifty grand, thank you. It's, it's better more to, give than to, to give than to receive. receive right? Yeah, nice. Uh, but and I then would go, okay, well, it's actually more blessed to give this away than mm-hmm. to receive this money. So therefore, then I'm going to turn around and go give this fifty grand away. I don't know if mm. I truly believe those words of Jesus. Mm. Like, and that's the practice. Like, I'm sitting here, kind of like what you're saying about this time issues. Like, time really is not my, it's God's, it's every yeah. bit of it. But the question is, is do, so like when, when we're challenged, when I'm challenged with these things, I'm looking at them and I go, okay, well, what do I do with this? Like, I don't, does that make sense? Like this, yeah. like, okay, there's a truth that Jesus is speaking. And here we don't see Jesus speaking this truth, but it is a... a, 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 a there's truth in it, yeah. Absolutely. I think for me, it's it's... It's a change of heart mm. when when I my time is challenged with mm. something. Uh, the same idea with the kingdom, right? That it's a change of heart. That it is not my kingdom. It is God. I'm a, I am a citizen of God's kingdom, right? And an ambassador and a represent a representative of God's kingdom. Yeah. Then how do I live that way when I'm in the grocery store? Yep. How do I live that way when I'm going for the last? whatever on the shelf mm-hmm. and someone's coming at the same time and I go, Oh, you know what? I noticed you need that. I'll just find something else. Toilet paper. Take it, yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Toilet paper. Toilet paper. Yeah, for real. Um, or gasoline, right? Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but just very, or I mean, you find 20 bucks on the ground Yeah. and you go, what's the right thing to do? Yeah. Because there's my kingdom that says, sweet. Lenny tax. 20 bucks. Someone lost it. I found it. Good for me. 
right? Versus like, what's the right thing to do? I don't know. I'll, depending on where you found it, you, you know, the subtle things. I was walking down the sidewalk a couple of weeks ago. I was walking the dog and uh, came across dog poop in a driveway, like way down the street. Like someone else had been walking their dog and their dog took a dump on the driveway. And so you put it in a paper bag, put it on the porch and lit it on, on fire. fire and <laughs> rang the doorbell and rang off, <laughs> ran off. Um, I just sent a, a flaming bag gift to the uh, ring. <laughs> just kidding. I just held it in front of the ring. Um, no, I had this, like, I walked past it. And I was like, dude, that sucks. Yeah. You know, I was like, what if they don't see it and they just drive over it? Yeah. And, you know, like. Or their kid runs through But you think, like, it, right? not my problem. Right. right? Like, it's so easy to have that, like, yeah. not my problem. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't have much further to go before I turned around. And I knew I was like, when I turn around, I'm going to walk, I'm going to walk back up the same side of the street. I'll pick it up and carry it home. Such and throw a nice it out. guy. But like, I would have been the, the Levite in that story and walked across the street. Right. But there's this, it, <laughs> not the good Samaritan. And it's not, it up. To, it's not necessarily to highlight, you know, the no, goodness of I me, but like there was a, there's a sense where you want to practice listening to that still quiet voice that said, Hey, let's keep our neighborhood nice and be a good neighbor. Yeah, like even if no one knows, who cares? If no one knows, yeah, who cares? Now thousands of people are listening. No, good. Yeah, like what's the right thing to do? Just do that. Yeah, no, yeah. And and we're so transactional in the way that we interact and and live in the world that we kind of think, well, there's nothing in it for me, so why? Yeah. yeah. And if we live that way, then if we practice that, mm-hmm. then that's what we become. Yeah. No, and if good. we practice. A kind of a selfless or not even selflessness, if we just practice responding to the spirit when we're prompted, Amen. then that's what we're going to become more yeah. like. Yeah. And so for me, it was this moment that was just like, all right, Lenny, like go get, go, you have boot bags on the leash right here. Just pick it up. Yeah. Your, your neighbors don't need to know that you did this and just carry it down and throw it out when you get yeah. home. It's not a big deal. Why mm. are you making this? And, really cool. and then you like, you talk yourself out of things or whatever. So, I guess in the same way, are we are we open to thinking about our time like that? Yeah. Well, it's are crazy we, is yeah. you tell that story and I was driving with my kids and it was Monday's our trash day. It was Monday afternoon, late in the afternoon, mm-hmm. just kind of sun's going down. And there was this, the coolest dad and kid. I wanted to stop and just thank them. And I probably should have, but they had a trash bag and they were picking up trash on the street. Not my street, but it was like three streets down. Oh, yeah. And they were just came around the corner, and, he, and he's walking with his son, maybe five, six years old, Calvin's age. And like, oh, they're, they're, and they grabbed it, put it in a bag, and was just walking down the street picking up the and trash. You know, on trash, trash day, things blow away. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, what the heck? Those are the coolest people. Why am I not doing that? You yeah. know, and I'm like, am I Mondays now going to make my routine to just be kind like that and just think this is my neighborhood and just, it might take me 20 minutes or 15 minutes, but it's an opportunity to teach my kid, like what you're talking about, who cares, see who sees it. They don't, they didn't care. They did, you know, and, um, in, in serving that way. I love that. And that's being generous with our time. And I love to hear the statement though, in this, what we just read, where like this enemy appeared to him bodily form demanded the total service for even one day, he would not refuse. And if it was like literally God incarnate standing there saying, go do this thing with this woman. Mm-hmm. And if you spent the, like having this conversation with this foolish woman, how many times have we been caught up in a conversation where like, oh my gosh, get me out of here. Yep. Like if God in flesh said, be there, there's nothing else you, they would have rather do than just be there because that was like, that was it. Yeah. That's, that's the eternal. If you spent your whole day yeah. just doing what God wanted you to do, yeah. like if God showed up and, you know, yeah. 
Like that point of like, and then God said, okay, you can have like half an hour to yourself. Yeah. You would be bummed that you didn't get to spend that half an hour serving God right. more. And I thought, I'm like, what? Like we don't think of it in those terms. Mm-hmm. That's crazy. So he goes on. He says, now think if he thinks about his assumption for a moment, even he is bound to realize that he is actually in this situation every day. Mm-hmm. When I speak, speak of preserving this assumption in his mind, therefore, the last thing I mean you to do is to furnish him with arguments in its defense. There aren't any. Your task is purely negative. Don't let his thoughts come anywhere near it. So that, the fact we're even having these positive conversations is like an attack against the enemy right yeah. now. Yeah. Okay. So wrap a darkness about it. And in the center of that darkness, let his sense of ownership in time lie silent, unsuspected, and operative. <laughs> Uninspected. Oh yeah, uninspected. So basically, let him own his time and just believe that. Ignorant to that, and just stay there. Yep. Wow. All right. So the sense of ownership in general is always to be encouraged. The humans are always putting up claims to ownership, which sound equally funny in heaven and in hell, (laughs) and we must keep them doing so. Much of the modern resistance to chastity comes from the men's belief that they own their bodies. Interesting. Those vast and perilous estates pulsating with energy that made the worlds. So you think, is he talking about what I think he's talking about there? No. Okay. No, you're just in the gutter. (laughs) In which they find themselves without their consent and from which they are ejected at the pleasure of another. So like your body. Yeah. The idea that you own your body is like, okay, so what did you do to gain it? Right. And what are you do what are you going to be able to do to keep it? And there's two ownerships of our body that are not ours that are actually stated in scripture. The first one is we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, mm-hmm. we're the temple of God. So this number one is God's. And then number two is actually our spouses. Mm-hmm. That our body is not our own, that is actually our spouses. That mm-hmm. we give our bodies to our spouses. Isn't mm-hmm. that interesting? So um, to do what they, you know, in the sentence. So uh, it goes on. It, it is as if a royal child whom his father has placed, uh, here he's going to describe it, uh, for lover's sake in titula, t- titular, I don't know what that word is, command of some great province under the real rule of wise counselors should come to fancy he really owns the cities, the forest and the corn in the same way he owns the bricks on the nursery floor. So uh, <laughs> titular is... Um, holding a formal position or title without any real af- authority. Right. Yeah. Okay. So if a royal like child is like... In a fake command of some great province. Yep. Yeah. I got, they, they would actually believe that they have any, Have some kind of actual control. Yeah. Yeah. When they have nothing. They actually have nothing. So it goes on. We produce this sense of ownership not only by pride, but by confusion. So it actually is what they're saying is that they kind of set the tone in the sense of ownership, these, mm-hmm. these demons. Okay. We teach them not to notice the different senses of the possessive pronoun, the finally graded differences that run from my boots through my dog, my servant, my wife, my father, my master, and my country, and, uh, and to my God, they can be taught to reduce all these sentences to that of my boots, the my of ownership. So kind of like when people say, I love pizza and I love my wife. Yeah, semantics, right? Like it's the, They're to kind of equating it in that way in some ways. Like Yeah, like you cheapen, you cheapen the word love by using it for everything. Uh, yeah. And I think you cheapen, maybe not cheapen, but you... The possession of my yeah. 
over like an actual, I don't know, item that I own. Mm -hmm. If I, if I use that possessive, but then I also use the possessive word for my wife or my dog or like, or even conversely realize too, like even my own boots aren't mine. God has allowed us the privilege of having those things. They can be good stewards of them. Yeah. Like, so you could do both and on that direction. Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. I think he gets into that a little bit. Oh, here. he does? Mm-hmm. I love that he's getting into the language of it, of things, uh, just because uh, he was, you know, friends with um, with Tolkien. Yeah. And uh, Tolkien was a um, philologist, so he studied language and words and that uh, kind of stuff. And so uh, he, he gives some nods, in fact, like in... Uh, in the space trilogy, the main character in the space trilogy is also a philologist um, and studies languages and stuff. So I think it's it's just fun for me, kind of knowing that piece, seeing him dive into like, well, what about the word my? Yeah, like we use this word my. Well, and we should be thinking. Yeah. Too, it's, but, uh, mm-hmm. So the book continues. Even in the nursery, a child can be taught to mean by my teddy bear, not the old imagined recipient recipient of affection to whom it stands in special relation. For that is what the enemy will teach them to mean if we are not careful. But the bear I could pull to pieces if I like. And at the other end of the scale, we have taught men to say my God in a sense, not really very different from my boots, meaning the God on whom I have a claim for my distinguished services and whom I exploit from the pulpit, the God I have done a corner in. (laughs) Oh, man. (sighs) My God. Yeah. yeah. So just kind of like when I say my God, I'm not saying like... Like my Lord. And if I think about, or my God, if I, you know, it reminds me of Thomas when, when Thomas puts his, like when Jesus uh, finally kind of reveals himself to Thomas and he says, look, put your, put your hand in my side, put your hand, you know, on my palms and see. And Thomas's reaction is my Lord and my God. Yeah. And there's this like reverence to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And how that is like in contrast to a lot of times when I refer to my God, I refer to like this, you know, kind of abstract idea that I keep in a box that is just kind of there when I need it for my own gain or whatever. And I'm doing God some kind of service by having chosen him instead of, you know, like we put ourselves in that position instead of like really being reverent. Well, and that brings to light even deeper than the words that Jesus says on the cross, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm -hmm. Like he's still claiming ownership and connection to, even though he's being... Yeah, I, I don't know. I have a hard time with that uh, only because like as much as he is saying those words, I think truthfully from his heart, um, he's referencing Psalm 22. Right. Um, and just kind of like if you if you read in connection Psalm 22 to his experience, like they didn't have uh, reference addresses and those kind of things. Yeah. They would have memorized scripture and have known what the scripture was based on the first few lines. Yeah. And so him saying, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The people that would have heard that that were studied would have gone. Oh, to that. 
Well, that's what I'm saying. Like Jesus is claiming, like even yeah. in his death and at the point where he's being rejected, he's owning that piece of scripture is like claiming it as his own. Like yes. he's speaking that yes. truth. Yes. And yes. that's what I mean. Like yes. he, he is validating the power of my God, my God, mm-hmm. which then conversely when Thomas, he was there, he heard what Jesus said mm-hmm. at a distance, but he understood it. Like then he then touched the scars, touched the heads. He's then therefore quit. My it's, Lord and my God. Right. Yeah, it's, he's, he's taking like, it even deeper in that sense. Like, oh, wow. Like it's reverence like, is it, there. Yeah. Like I would like fall on my face saying my God instead of like, uh, my God, hello, where are you? Come over here. Yeah. Cause at first Thomas's was, um, show me like what you're getting at. Right. Like show me my God. But then like when he sees it, like it shoves it deeper. Yeah. Like he wasn't ready to believe, but also, I mean, Thomas was, I, I always like to defend Thomas. He gets a bad rap because, uh, when they were going back to Judea, to, uh, Judea, um, they were like, Jesus, they're going to kill you if right, we go, he if we go back. Go. And he's like, then we'll go die with him. Right. Like he yeah. was the one that was ready to go die with yeah. him. But he gets a bad rap sometimes for, totally. for doubting. But I think so. so does Judas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I should probably just end the podcast there. Yeah, <laughs> just just hang it up right there. Oh, so people are listening right now just like uh, turn where it we, off. Yeah, turn it's it okay. Off. We're almost to the end. But I don't know. There's this idea of like... The words that we use, and yeah. I, I refer to my God all the time, but yeah. do I refer to him as like, I think I, I need to be careful about how I use the words my God is what I'm reading here. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And I think that's, that's I think it's the framing of understanding of our position. So we have we have four family values our family has. Um, mm-hmm. First one is love. Love, Lord God, with your heart, mind, soul, and strength. Love your neighbors yourself. Like that's that's number one. Number two is honesty. Honest between our, uh, with ourselves, God, and others. Mm-hmm. So that's number two. Number three is health, um, physically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and then the fourth is, we just say it, it's make life fun. Mm, nice. <laughs> it's in a sense of living by faith. So when, when things are outside of your control, i.e., people are taking your time, i.e., you have a sick kid in the middle of the night and you, they're stealing your sleep, my sleep. No, I need to serve my child right now. Mm-hmm. And then my anger that naturally came out, that in of itself needs to get dealt with, like mm-hmm. set aside to serve my child right now. It's like, whoa, that there's still... The spirit isn't, I'm not allowing the spirit to produce love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, kindness, or faithfulness, or peace. Right when I'm being woken up in the middle of the night, whoa, like there, it's still dark in there, you yeah. know, I need Christ's light. So um, those are those times that we have the opportunity to, and that's why I think it's so powerful when we say make life fun. It's opposite of my time, opposite of my stuff, opposite of we're claiming that mm. reality that we're stating I don't know what to do with what I feel like is being stolen from me right now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for example, we we're on a plane flying overseas and ended up getting diverted because somebody died on the airplane and got oh, wow. stuck basically 72 hours traveling Ugh. instead of 24. That's so hard. And, and my, and what's funny is I made the statement before we left on this trip. My, my goal was to not get like be angry. <laughs> Challenge accepted. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, and that's where we were working through some of our family values. And one of those was this, that that's where I actually worked and came out of like making life fun, like learning how to Mm. put into practice kind of what they're talking about. The opposite of like being aware of what they want to keep ignorant Mm -hmm. of it's mine, 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 mine. What is that character from the cartoon? Mine, 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 mine. Oh, it's the, the, uh, seagull from finding Nemo. There you go. 
There you go. Yeah. Or the like that that the guy from the the nut the, the the squirrel thing that has the nut on Ice Age. Oh, the acorn. <laughs> the acorn. Uh, yeah. And he gets into so much trouble because it's <laughs> mine, mine, mine. He's gonna get. Um, all right. Well, we keep going. And all the time, the joke. Speaking of jokes, is that the word mine? Oh. There it is. <laughs> there it is. You didn't see that ahead of time? No. I thought you were setting that up. No. I was I like, this is brilliant. That. He's got it right to it. I'm not that What a brilliant. segue. I should have just acted like yeah, it was. It. Yeah. So all the time, the joke is that the word mine in its fully possessive sense cannot be uttered by a human being about anything. Oh, that's what we were just stating. That's the joke. Oh, yeah. my gosh. In the long run, either our father or the enemy will say mine of each thing that exists and specifically of each man. They will find out in the end, never fear to whom their time, their souls, and their bodies really belong, certainly not to them, whatever happens. At present, the enemy says, quote, mine of everything on the pen... pen on the pedantic, okay, legalistic ground that he made it. Our father hopes in the end to say mine of all things on the more realistic and dynamic ground of conquest. So it's very interesting is that here the demons are basically stating that the present, the enemy says mine of everything on the pedantic legalistic ground that he made it. What, what is he saying? The, our father hopes in the end. I think that's like Satan basically hopes in the end to say mine of all things on the more realistic and dynamic ground. So their view so of God's the present claim, God's is... God's claim to everything being his. Yeah. Is that he created it? Yes. Just un, unabased, just pedantic, legalistic ground. So he made it, so he gets it. That's yep. what he's claiming. Mine. It's mine. Yeah. The, the legalistic ground, the most the just de facto sense. as is stated. It is mine. I created it. It's mine. Yes. Of all things. So <laughs> that's that's God's claim to the ground of yeah. like his the substance behind his claim that yeah. all things are his. Uh, Satan's hope is that he'll be able to say mine of of the things that he has conquested or the things that he has taken or distorted. And little does he know what he's actually taken. Yeah, which is, you know, we'll all be redeemed, you know, so like, yeah. but it's just that. You know, I don't know. We have this picture of Satan of like, running hell like being like the the top dog in hell like kind of you know like the depictions pitchfork and uh, yeah all, i've seen and, little nikki yeah um and like like they run everything yeah but satan will be the most punished mm-hmm. in hell yeah well and we see too they don't run everything yeah, there's a point where god last week the chapter where he goes he put a basically a claim on this yep. one character you know yep. so that that he actually does own. We often have this like false picture of like Satan. It's like, would you take the worst prisoner and put them in charge of the prison? Yeah. Absolutely not. You know, like same kind of idea that Mm. uh, even out of a false, you know, he's the father of lies and you think about these demons are following him under the, the guise that the damage they do will be Theirs to keep. Theirs to keep. And that they will not reap what they have sown, um, you know, for eternity. And Man, we could just yeah. leave it with that, to be honest. Like, it's that's crazy. a powerful yeah. statement. 
Wow. Well, thank you for to this week. Um, we're getting through this, man. We've only got eight chapters left, if you can believe that. I think Jeez, there's 30 we are, total. We are cruising through this. Yeah, it's really fun. So thank you for listening in, listening along. If you have comments, questions, remarks, uh, anything you guys want to say, please let us know. Yeah. Um, and uh, thanks so much. And uh, may God's grace and peace be with you. And we'll see you next time. Lots of fun. Thank you for joining us.